So oftentimes when we visit a church or we go to a church for the first time, um, we find ourselves curious as to what the church believes or what they believe. And I, I was thinking about this this week as I was beginning to prepare for today. And yes, we are going to be back on the Gospel of Mark next week. We're going to uh, jump into chapter 5 next week. But today I'm taking a break for that because... Uh, as I was spending time this last week uh, with a whole lot of people from the Church of God, a lot of pastors from a lot of different congregations, there were some themes that began to rise to the surface as I was listening, and there were some things that I was hearing being said by our national leaders and by directors from other uh, congregations and part of our para ministries and things that I thought as I was hearing those things, it was important for us as a body, as a local congregation, to be reminded of. So that when we look around, when we speak, when we uh, interact in our community as the church, when we are in conversation with folks and when we are doing ministry, we understand why we are doing it and what is at the core of our belief and our foundation. And so today what I want to do is I just want to share six things. And I believe that these six things are the six non-negotiables of the church. And I believe more importantly they are the six non-negotiables of our church here in Bethalto, Illinois, Lifebrook Church. And so today, as I share these with you, I hope you'll take some notes on this. I hope that you'll uh, write down the scripture because I want you to dig deeper into this yourself. And I want you to spend time with this after you have listened to me share this today. Because I want you, uh, I want you to embrace what I have received and I believe is so important for us as the body of Christ. And so I'm just going to begin, and I'm going to jump into this. And like I said, I've got six statements that I'm going to make today, and I'm going to share some Scripture with you. And feel free at any point, whenever I say something that resonates with you, feel free to interact with me. Say amen. Say yeah. Say, oh, that's right, okay? Get up and jump. Holler. Run around if you want to do something like that, because uh, I want to see us engage in this today. Will you do that with me? Amen? If somebody runs around, I'm going to be very impressed, okay? All right. So here's the first thing. This is the first non-negotiable that I think that we have to grab a hold of and embrace if we are going to be the church that God has called us to be. And that first non-negotiable, go ahead and put that up on the screen, is that Jesus is the subject. In other words, what I mean by that is that Everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we are about is about Jesus as Lord and Savior. Do you agree with me on that? As a matter of fact, John chapter 14 verse 6 says this. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Hebrews chapter, amen to that? 
Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 15 says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are and yet has not sinned. What that tells me today is that when we understand that Jesus is the subject, we understand that he is our great high priest. In other words, what you can be uh, grounded on and you can understand and live in is the fact that no matter what you go through in life, no matter what struggles you face, no matter what situation you have in your life, no no matter how many challenges or what the challenges are, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is standing as your high priest he is standing in front of the father on your behalf amen not only does this scripture tell us that he is our high priest but it tells us that he is the son of the living god all right jesus christ was not just a great man he was not just a great prophet he was not just a really interesting person he was not just a loving person he was not just a compassionate person he is the son of the living God. He is God incarnate here on this planet earth. He came in flesh, lived, died, and three days later walked out of the grave so that you and I could live victorious lives. Amen? He passed through heaven, that's what it says, and he understands our weakness. There is nothing you and I go through, there's nothing that we face that he does not understand what we are going through. He has experienced it all. And he has modeled for us a life that is without sin, calling us to live and love like him. Amen? So that's the first non-negotiable that I want to share with you today. The second non-negotiable that I want to share with you today is that we here at Lightbrook Church, as the church operating in this community, we believe without a shadow of a doubt that the Holy Spirit is real. Amen? John chapter 14 verse 26 says this, But the Counselor... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have told you. Now, what that passage of Scripture says to me today is not only is is the Holy Spirit real, okay, and we understand that, but we also understand that when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, when he comes and he lives in your heart, when you surrender to him, you repent, you believe, and you begin to follow him, you receive the Holy Spirit in your life. And the Holy Spirit is our helper, The Holy Spirit is here. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he said to them, he said, I must go so that my spirit will come. And so the Holy Spirit has been given to each and every one of us to help us through every situation in life. Not only is the Holy Spirit to help us, but the Holy Spirit is sent from the Father. He is our teacher. And here's one of the coolest things that you find in this passage of Scripture. Because I hear people all the time make statements like when they talk about uh, discipleship or they talk about sharing their testimony or they talk about sharing things with people. Oh, man, you know, I can't remember the Scriptures and I can't remember what to say. 
and I get all tongue-tied and I don't know what to say. Listen, what I want you to know, here's, listen, I want you to, I want you to listen to verse 26 one more time. I want you to listen to the last part. It says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. You see, what that tells me is that tells me what the Holy Spirit does in our lives if we are surrendered to the Spirit, if we allow the Holy Spirit to work, is the Holy Spirit is that voice. It's that inside of us that when we get in a situation and we're like, oh, I don't know what, the Holy Spirit reminds us and whispers to us, hey, remember what I told you? Remember what, remember this? And so it's, wouldn't you love, wouldn't you love to have someone in your life every single day of your life who when you got ready to say something or you needed to say something and, and you were about to forget it, they'd whisper the answer into your ear and then you'd just be able to like, mm, you know. They tell us, they say, they say that most of us only use somewhere like 10% of our brain, all right? And that like 90% of our brain is not, is not uh, assessed. And that's where all of this kind of stuff is. If we could use 100% of our brain, there was a movie a few years ago out about it, but if you could use 100% of your brain, man, all of the things that you have. Can I tell you something? We don't have to use 100% of our brain. All we have to do is be surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will bring to us and remind us what we need to be the men and women of God that he's called us to be. Amen? Now, the other passage of Scripture that I want to I share with you when it comes to the Holy Spirit is real is I want to share with you 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 11. Starting with verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. Listen to that. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the Spirit. To another, faith by the Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. And so what you need to understand in that is when I talk about the Holy Spirit being real, we also need to realize that the Holy Spirit is the giver of gifts in our lives. And the Holy Spirit wants to work in each one of our lives. And there are different ways that the Holy Spirit will work in our lives if we will allow the Holy Spirit to move. You see, the greatest gift we get is the Holy Spirit. All right? The greatest gift is the Spirit itself. However, if we are surrendered to the Lord, the Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, gifts us in many different ways. And I wonder sometimes, 
How many of us are missing out because we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to gift us the way the Spirit wants to? There is no person in this room today that the Heavenly Father does not want to use. There's no person in this room today that if being surrendered, the Holy Spirit cannot move through you and empower you to do the work of the Lord, to bring what the Scripture says is the common good together. Now let me just tell you something. When the Holy Spirit moves and people are used by the power of the Holy Spirit, it brings the church together. It brings the body of Christ together. It does not divide. It does not, it does not uh, cause division or discord, but it brings about unity. Now that's another subject that I want to talk about today because that leads us into the next non-negotiable that I want to share with you today and that is listen folks we are called as the body of Christ as followers of Jesus Christ we are called to be catalyst of unity that is a non-negotiable the church is not called to bring division the church is not called to divide and conquer the church is called to bring unity in the body of Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 17, verse 21 or 20 through 23 says, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their words. May they all be one as you. Father are in me and I am in you. May they also be one in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be completely one. That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. You see, what that passage of Scripture tells us there is that our unity brings belief to the world so that they may know. Did you catch that? You see, we are called within this congregation to be united. But we are not just called to be one just in this congregation. We are called to unity. We're called to be a catalyst of unity, not only amongst this church, within this church, but amongst the churches in this community, amongst the churches in this county, amongst the churches in this state, amongst the churches in this country, amongst the churches in the world. We are called to be united. We may worship in different ways. We may read Scripture and interpret things differently, and we may see some things differently. We may have a different tag hanging out on the front door of our building but if we believe Jesus Christ is Lord if we believe that he came died rose and we can live victorious because of that we ought to be one in that amen I'm going to read some other scriptures that aren't as fun 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. This is another fun one. Make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent one on one purpose. Folks, we as the church, we are called to bring unity to the world that we live in. I'm going to tell you right now, we live in a world that is extremely divided right now. And I'm also going to tell you this, and this is going to lead me into the next passage of Scripture. In such a divided world that we live in, when the church comes across divided, the enemy wins. Did you hear that? When the church is divided, the enemy wins. When the church is united in the love of Jesus Christ, we will experience victory in a world that is divided. Amen? And so that brings me to a passage of Scripture that speaks to us here in our congregation today. Now, I, I, don't, I don't really believe we have a problem with this, but if we do, we need to do something about it. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19 says this. The Lord hates six things. I like the way he says this. The Lord hates six things. You know what? No, in fact, seven are detestable to him. He says, arrogant eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that plots wicked schemes, Feet eager to run to evil, a lying witness who gives false testimony, and one who stirs up trouble among brothers. That last one right there is one of the biggest struggles that the church has today. It comes in the shape of what uh, a, a term that I don't preach a whole lot on, but it's a subject that I think we struggle with at times because we're human, and if we're not careful, it can get the best of us. And that is the subject of gossip. That is the subject of speaking slanderous or speaking negatively about our brothers and sisters in Christ. Or our brothers and sisters, period. All right? We, if we're going to make a difference in the world that we live in, we have to speak in love, speaking life, bringing one together instead of speaking in such a way that brings division. Do you believe that today? You see, if we don't, if, let me just tell you something. If we don't grab a hold of this, being a catalyst of unity, if we don't make this a non-negotiable in our churches, in our church here, the enemy will get a foothold. The enemy will creep in. The enemy will have brothers talking against brothers. The enemy will have sisters talking against sisters. The enemy will have people complaining about not getting what they want. The enemy will convince people that the way I want it done is the only way it should be done. And the way somebody else wants it done, well, that's wrong. The enemy will creep in and do everything that he can do to create discord. And when that happens, destruction takes place. So as I stand before you today as your pastor, this being a catalyst 
for unity, it is a non-negotiable for us. And it's a non-negotiable for us even when others don't want to be unified with us. When others push back on us, we still love. When others challenge us and go against us, we still seek truth and love. Amen? That leads me to the next one. Let's go on. Number four. Is it number four? Is that right? Yes. The fourth non-negotiable for us is this, the greatest commands. Loving God and loving others. I want to share just four. I'm going to share these scriptures. I'm going to read them real quick because it's interesting because this subject is in all three of the main gospels. So when it's all three of the main gospels, I look at it a little extra and say, hmm, Jesus wanted to say it three times at least. Matthew 22, verse 34 through 40 says, When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked, question, asked a question to him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He wanted to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? And Jesus responded to him and said this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second, he said, is like this. In other words, just as important, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Now, if that wasn't enough for Matthew to say it, Mark had to say it also in chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and then he says, with all your strength. Let's just put a little bit more on there. And the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. And then Luke follows on in suit, chapter 10, verse 21. He answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. This is a non-negotiable for us. We love God with everything that is about us. One of the reasons on Wednesday night we teach a class called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and I am so excited because we have almost 40 people going through it right now on Wednesday nights, and that's in the middle of the summer. The whole premise of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality is about helping us to understand what it truly means to love God, what it truly means to love Him with our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole mind, I need to drink some water because I'm starting to stutter, and our strength. And let me just say this. It's not easy to do that all the time, is it? I mean, does anyone in this room every once in a while have a little struggle with loving God with everything? Yeah. You know why I have a hard time loving God with everything? 
Because sometimes God makes me do things I don't want to do. Sometimes God doesn't let me do things I want to do. Sometimes God doesn't give me what I want. And sometimes God gives me things I don't want. Anybody experience that? But if we are going to be the people that God has called us to be, we have to learn what it means to love God with every part of who we are. And so here at Lifebrook Church, we believe that. We believe that we must love God with every part of who we are. Now, the second class that we teach often here at Life for Church is called Emotionally Healthy Relationships. And, and it's just a class. This is, this is not our discipleship. We have discipleship on top of this. But what this class does is it helps us to learn what it means to love others like Jesus. Anybody have a hard time loving people sometimes? Does anybody have anyone in your life that at times it's difficult to love for all of the really spiritual ones, you're like, oh, I love them. I just don't like them. <laughs> oh, I love them. They're, they're God created, but boy, I don't like them. You know? We are called to love God and love others. That is a non-negotiable for us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21 says, If anyone says, and I want you to listen to this one, because this is one of those verses I would love to cut out of the Bible, because I don't want to follow this one, and I don't want to necessarily, I, I'm just being honest, okay? There are some things in Scripture that I would like to cut out, you know? I want you to listen to this. This says, If anyone says, I love God and yet hates his brother or sister. And just so you know, when you translate the, the Greek on this, that brother and sister, that doesn't just mean, you know, immediate family. Brother and sister is basically talking about anyone that you come in contact with that you're in relationship, okay? So, you know, in the Church of God, we talk about the fact that as followers of Christ, you're my brothers and you're my sister. We are family, okay? But that goes even beyond that, okay? If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he's a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister, whom he has seen... Cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brothers and sisters. Amen. So what that's telling us here this morning is that if we can't show love to one another, then there's a challenge in our love relationship between our Heavenly Father. So for us here at Lifebrook Church, the non-negotiable is we love God and we love others. Now this leads me to the fifth non-negotiable. I've got to see how I'm doing on, on time. Oh, I'm doing great, man. I've got at least another two hours. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, non-negotiable number five. We are a people of the word. 
In other words, we are a people of the Bible. We find our strength, our foundation, and our direction in the Word of God. Old Testament, First Testament, New Testament. I don't care what your neighbor says. Tell me what the Bible says. I don't care what grandma says. Tell me what the Bible says. I don't care what your pastor says. Tell me what the Bible says. One of the things that is so important about the church of God, and I don't often go into details about church of God specifically, but the church of God is built on the foundation. Our foundational belief and theology is that the word of God is our rule and guide. We don't believe in man-made laws. We believe in what the Word says. And so if you tell me something, I'm going to take what you tell me and I'm going to compare it to what the Word of God says. And if it lines up with the Word of God, then I'm going to be okay with it. If it does not line up with the Word of God, what the Word of God says is what is true. Do we believe that this morning? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 through 17 says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In other words, what that passage of Scripture is telling us is that everything that we need, all the understanding that we need to be the men and women of God that he has called us to be is in the word of God. This is our rule and our guide. And that leads me to the final non-negotiable today. We believe that Jesus is the subject we believe that Holy Spirit is real. We believe that we are to be catalysts of unity. We believe in the greatest commandments, that we are to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. We believe in the supremacy of the word of God. And the sixth non-negotiable, what we believe is the only commission that is given in Scripture and that is found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, when it says, Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them all, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded and remember I am with you always to the end of the age this morning as the team comes up to close us in a song 
I want us to understand that this final non-negotiable is that we here at Lifebrook Church are about making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We are about pouring ourselves into the lives of others so that they may first know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and then they may live and love as Jesus has modeled for us. Now, you can't do that on your own. It takes the work and the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. It takes you making a decision to go beyond just making a profession here at the altar. It actually requires you and I living our lives in such a way as though Christ were living our lives for us. And let me just tell you something. It's not easy. And the enemy is going to trip you up all the time. He's going to try to knock you down. He's going to try to knock you back. He's going to make you he's going to make you think at times that the Holy Spirit isn't with you. He's going to he's going to make you believe at times that that there is a problem with unity and because you're in a disunified situation nothing is going to work. He's going to try to convince you that something else needs to be the center of your attention other than Jesus Christ. He's going to try to tell you that the family is the subject. He's going to try to tell you that the job is the subject. He's going to try to tell you that relationships are the subject. He's going to try to tell you that this building is the subject. Jesus is the subject. And when Jesus is the subject, we become the disciples that he has called us to be. And when we are disciples the way he has called us to be, through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit, we are able to pour into others and see disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Amen? So this morning, these are the non-negotiables. These are not the only things that we believe. This is not the end. There's a whole other 66 books in the Bible and a whole lot of Scripture that talk about a whole lot of other things. But these six things, when they become non-negotiable in our lives as well as our church, we will see revival take place unlike we've ever experienced before. So this morning as we stand, there's communion set up here in the front. I want you to know that we set this up each and every week. Communion is an opportunity for you to be reminded of the blood that Jesus shed, the life and the price that he paid for your life. I will challenge you not to take communion if there is a, any problem in your life, if you're struggling. Bring it to the Lord before you take communion. Scripture says, do not take communion if you have a problem with your brother. Do not take communion if there is sin in your life, okay? So I'm going to tell you that up front, all right? And then we don't, we don't have anybody policing down here. So nobody's down here going, uh, did you sin this week? No. But communion's up here. The altars are open here today. 
If you are struggling with any of these non-negotiables that I share with you today, bring it to the Lord. Let him have some conversation with you. If you would like someone to pray with you, all you got to do is come up to the altar, just slip your hand up and somebody will be there. If you don't want anybody to pray with you, just come up here quietly and just pray. But let the Lord speak to you today and do something about it. Amen? Heavenly Father, this morning, I thank you so much that I can be a part of what you're doing. Lord, I thank you so much for the fact that you sent your son who died on a cross for me. And Lord, there may be those in this room right now who are struggling. Maybe they're hurting inside. Maybe they feel like that their life is just totally out of direction. Maybe there are those in this room today who are struggling in relationships. Lord, maybe there are those in this room today who have not yet made a commitment to you to be a follower. There are many, many, many other struggles in this room today. But Lord, my prayer is that more than anything, we would realize that in all of this, you are the answer. You are the direction. You are the source that we need. And no, we cannot make it through the struggles of life on our own. We cannot do it on our own ability. But through you, all things are possible. There is victory, and it's found in you. I pray this in your precious name. Amen.